Hey everyone, welcome to the Prince of Peace podcast, where our aim is to help you live and love like Jesus. I'm Lauren Hlaud, one of the pastors of Prince of Peace. We're glad that you're here and we hope you enjoy. Hey there, and thanks for tuning in. This week's sermon is a very special sermon for the Prince of Peace community, as it was Pastor Kim Peterson's last sermon with us as our pastoral intern. Needless to say, we have been tremendously blessed by Pastor Kim, her words of wisdom and inspiration, the way that she has come alongside our community over the last year and a half. We wish you well, God's blessings and peace in your life, Kim. Grace and peace be unto you from God, our Father, and God's beloved Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So because I will soon be moving to Montana, I've spent way too much time recently thinking about bears. For example, I recently studied the Montana Park Agency's bear identification guidelines, and then I took that quiz to see how well I could identify black bears versus grizzlies. And I got a 67. <laughs> so needless to say, I will carry, be carrying bear spray, which it turns out is a thing. And if you are asking yourself what this has to do with our gospel reading today, that is a great question because the answer is absolutely nothing. Because, you see, today's gospel is this wonderful story where Peter, having denied Jesus three times, is welcomed back into the fold and then instructed to feed Christ's sheep. And frankly, it would have been so easy for my final sermon here to preach about how all of you have fed me during my time here and to encourage you to do your good work feeding one another and feeding a hurting world. This is like preaching softball. But, no, because about 10 months ago, I found myself at Camp Moana with some of our confirmands, and in an attempt to try and show them that the Bible is full of interesting stories, and so they should actually, like, read it, I shared this story with them from the book of 2 Kings about the prophet Elijah, and it goes like this. He went up there to Bethel, and while he was going up on the way, some small boys came out of the city and jeered at him, saying, go away, bald head, go away, bald head. And when he turned around and saw them, he cursed them in the name of the Lord. Then two she-bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the boys. That's the entire story, and yes, that is part of our sacred scriptures. It is randomly absurd at first glance, horrible upon deeper inspection, and they loved it. And Jonas Garda made a comment along the lines of, I bet no one ever preaches on that. <laughs> and so thoughtlessly and a little arrogantly, I replied, I would. So here we are, it's my last sermon here at Prince of Peace, and I still haven't found a natural opportunity to preach about Elisha and the she-bears, and I think you can see why, right? Because it's not exactly the most inspiring story, but a promise is a promise, and so today 
rather than preach on that beautiful and easy gospel text, I'm here to tell you five things I've learned from the story of Elisha and the she-bears. First, words have consequences. Words have power. My words to Jonah Scarda meant that, well, here we are. And Elisha's words, well, for one thing, cursing in the ancient world doesn't mean swearing at somebody. It means calling down the wrath of God upon somebody. And in this case, it seems as if the result of Elijah's words were two angry she-bears and a lot of carnage, all of which is precipitated by the young people's words against the prophet. Words matter. The old sticks and stones saying is frankly wrong. Words in this case do indeed cause physical pain, but in our own lives, the words that we use against each other can cause emotional pain that can be just as dramatic. And as followers of Jesus, we are continuously called to use our words to heal, to lift one another up, and not to tear one another apart. Second, we are called to show hospitality to all people. This might seem a strange lesson to draw out of this story, so here's a bit of context, and it's one of my last teaching moments at Prince of Peace, so bear with me. Sorry, the puns today are going to be unbearable. You'll barely be able to contain yourselves. Elijah was the protege of another prophet, confusingly named Elijah. And so after Elijah, on the top there, was carried up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elisha continued to proclaim the word of the Lord. And so initially, Elisha heads to Jericho, which had a water problem. And the residents greet Elisha with warmth and respect and honor. And so what did Elisha do? He fixed the water problem, made it drinkable, and you can go and drink from that spring today. So far, so good. Being kind to prophets pays off. Welcome the stranger. But then, Elisha continues on to Bethel, and Bethel had a bad reputation because Bethel is where false prophets lived, where people had strayed from the path of the Lord. And so when Elisha draws near, he is not welcomed or honored, but they make fun of him. Hospitality was a huge value all across the ancient world, but especially for the Israelites, whose scriptures directly instruct them to welcome the stranger, yet alone someone who's coming in the name of the Lord. And so as Christians, we are also called to offer welcome and hospitality, especially to those who may be different from us. Just like Jesus welcomed people from all walks of life. And hopefully when we don't do this, it won't cause a she-bear attack, but we will miss an opportunity to spread the love of God and we'll miss the gifts that those individuals could bring to us and to our community. And if you're sitting there going, okay, but Pastor Kim, aren't 42 she-bear casualties sort of an extreme way to show that we should welcome people? Yes. And that leads me to number three. Sometimes we are not going to understand everything about God or God's word. 
from virtually the very first time this passage was recorded, people have been trying to explain it away by saying things like, what's translated as small boys should really mean young men. They'll argue that Elisha was under direct threat by a huge mob, and thus the she-bears are justified. But the problem is when you look at the Hebrew, it really could just as easily say small children. And even if they were older kids, is it really all that better? (laughs) Right? What about God? Did God really send bears to kill 42 people? Isn't that a bit extreme? And those are great questions. And truthfully, I don't have great answers. But my response to this is to remind you that it is normal and healthy to ask those questions. Because all of us are going to question God at some point in our lives. Sometimes God shows us the reason behind what is happening in our lives, and sometimes God doesn't. And my belief is that she bears notwithstanding, God doesn't generally go out of God's way to cause suffering, but instead is with us in our suffering and can use our suffering in unexpected ways. But if I'm honest with you, sometimes I am confused about where God is in certain events, what God is doing, or why. That doesn't mean that God isn't there. It doesn't mean that it's God's fault. It simply means that we're not going to understand everything all the time, because at the end of the day, we aren't God. And as hard as that is to admit to ourselves, we have to learn to live with uncertainty and trust that God is big enough to handle our questions. Number four. Some stories shouldn't be made into coloring sheets. Enough said. Five. Everyone needs some mama bears in their lives. Even the tough, miracle-performing prophet needed an assist. And dramatic violence aside, it is kind of nice to know that everyone needs someone who's ready to come to their rescue. And so if we look at the five points I've brought forth, and there are many more, but time forces me to come draw that to a close, we're left with this. Words matter. We're called to hospitality and welcome. We don't always understand everything, and that's okay. God can handle that. Age-appropriate curriculum matters. And everybody needs a few mama bears. The truth is, though, as I was putting all of this together in the sermon, I realized that I didn't actually need this story to show me any of these things because I've already experienced all of these things from all of you. Because from you, I have felt the power of words. You've used your words to lift me up and to challenge me and to let me know that you are praying for me and cheering me on You've used your words to support and love me and one another, and for that, I am truly grateful. From you, I've experienced hospitality and welcome. From the members of my intern committee who have guided and supported me, those of you who have invited me into your homes or out for coffee or wine, from you and from many others, I have experienced in this community true hospitality and welcome. And for that, I am truly grateful. From you, I have come to understand that it's okay for our faith to be challenged 
and to be challenging. I appreciate the senior Bible study and their willingness to step out into challenging biblical territory. Our confirmands, our preschoolers, they ask excellent questions all the time. And I value those of you who have allowed me to walk beside you through life's challenges, through those times when uncertainty is an ever-present and sometimes unwelcome attendant. And for that, I am truly grateful. From you, I've learned that all of us come together in this beautiful faith community, and even though sometimes different ages do have different needs and desires, we are indeed all in this together in this messy, wonderful thing we call the church. You've entrusted me with your children and families of all different types, and for that, I am truly grateful. And you have been my mama bears. You've had my back, you have been on my side, and I have always been able to trust that you have cared about me and this community and our world. I have been enveloped during my time here by a wonderful church family, by amazing colleagues, and by a supervisor who has surrounded me with both challenge and unconditional support, answering approximately 42,000 questions along the way. And for that, I am truly grateful. And I hope that you know that even as I prepare to leave this place, I am y'all's mama bear as well. My biggest concern in writing this sermon is something that they kind of drill into your head in seminary, which is to always make sure that anytime you preach, that you're making, you're ensuring that the gospel of our risen Lord is included and is emphasized. And as I was looking over this sermon, I was initially a little bit worried that there's not enough gospel in it, that there could be more good news. But when I started reflecting on my time here, I remembered that often, perhaps usually, preaching the gospel is as much a matter of action as it is using our words. And from your love and your support, from the way that you reach out and help one another, your neighbors and the stranger, from all the ways that you live and love like Jesus, through all of this, know that you have proclaimed the gospel to me. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Prince of Peace podcast. I hope that today's message has brought comfort and inspiration to your life. Have a great rest of the week.